When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello and welcome to the Elm Park Rolls preview podcast supported by Phantom Bruco. Well, it hasn't been a bad week and to help me talk through it, I've been joined by Mr. Scoop himself, James Earnshaw from the Renner Chronicle. It's been a while, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Cheers, Paul. Uh, that's uh, down to you for organising me so late on in the day. But um, it's good to be back on. Wow, look at that. <laughs> Absolutely killing me there. There's, there's, there's so much untruth there, but I'm not going to get into that now. Uh, yeah, so obviously you were at Fleetwood during the week. And the first question I've got to ask you, James, is would you rather be a haddock or a cod? <laughs> cod. Cod any day of the week. I don't know. I've, I've never, I don't think I've ever had haddock. To be fair, I think it seems to be might be a bit odd of me to. It seems to be more of a north. Is it more of a northern fish to have battered a caddock than a cod? I don't know. You've I've never had caddock. No, had a cod and chips. Is what I have. Wow, I now feel like I'm talking chippy. to Matt Lansley here with his limited <laughs> menu. <laughs> it's just like you go to the chippy and it's just cod and chips. I don't want. I don't want to look at the further fish down. It's just batters. I mean, the batter's the best part of it anyway. Yes, it is. Yeah, no, you're absolutely <laughs> right there. Yeah, <laughs> there's no doubt on that. But what were your thoughts on the performance and kind of like how Ruben was after the match? Yeah, it wasn't wasn't great, was it? I don't think it wasn't a, a it was a better watch in the second half. I thought it was one of those games that was almost sort of so low quality. It was actually quite entertaining. Um, you know, the the pitch was diabolical. Um, although you know ours isn't as as it once was, but you know it's, it's a League One pitch. The weather hadn't been great. Um, you know, but two teams are on decent form. Um, first half was bereft of any real chances, and suddenly it all kind of came to life in the second half. Um, disappointing not to hang on for the for the win, having come so close. But I don't think there's any denying that Fleetwood probably deserved something out of the game, so it's probably a fair result. Um, kind of surprised me just how frustrated Sellers was. Kind of you know, throughout the whole afternoon, evening, he was sat sort of directly in front of us, and he was fuming. You know, he was constantly shouting and you know throwing his arms around, and he wasn't happy at all with the way that it went, um, which I guess is a good thing. You know, standards are high and the fact that we're, you know, drawing away from home is, is being seen as a bad result kind of shows how far we've come when we've had so many games at the beginning of the season that were straight defeats. Um, you know, so all attention now turns, obviously, to the big two home games next week. And, uh, you know, anything we pick up on Saturday is a bonus. Yeah, you could tell by his comments after the match how he's saying, you know, it wasn't good enough in the first half, how we shouldn't be conceding a goal like at the end. And that's the first time he's really probably been in a position of strength, not to like completely slack off the team and be really negative, because I don't think it was that. But 
you got to have some criticism at some points for the players because maybe the standards weren't up to where we would like them to be. But he also knows probably deep down that we've got such a limited squad. To ask them to go out to churn out the same displays every week is probably, you know, not really realistic, is it? I think it was more frustrating that he probably felt this was a game that we really could win. Yeah, yeah, and we were so close to winning it as well. And, you know, there's no better feeling than going away from home and winning when you know you're not at your best. It's, um, you know, a bit feel, feel like you got away with one there, especially to have kept a clean sheet. Um, but, you know, we've gone away from home. We've kind of looked off our best in, in previous weeks and we've still comfortably deserved something out of the game, you know. So performances have, have improved since, you know, when we look back where we came from early on in the season. Um, and who knows, you know, that could be a point that, that goes a long way to keeping us up. Um, you know, we've got some crucial, crucial games coming up and, you know, coming off the back of, what was it, three three games in you know, a week or 10 days, travelling up to Fleetwood in a midweek is always going to be a difficult game. And, you know, they, they'd won their previous two home games as well. So they're on decent form. You know, so it was a recipe for one of those digging in performances. And, yeah, it's frustrating to have been so close to, to a win, which would have been huge. But can't really turn down an extra point yeah plus the fact it was offside but let's move on Paul mm. but let's, let's forget about that <laughs> let's move on because these things happen don't they it's league one yes classic officiating well off the field hasn't really been an amazing amount of information coming out at the moment in fact zero uh, there's lots of rumors as always about ownership and all that but star will be having their meeting at some point or maybe they've had it already with Nigel Howe, and sure we find out more, but it would be ideal, wouldn't it, if we could find out some kind of, we're not expecting any closure because that's not going to happen, but some kind of positive update, wouldn't it? It would be lovely. Yeah, yeah. Well, any update would be a bonus. I mean, obviously there's the EFL hearing hanging over us as well for HMRC, which I believe has taken place and I'm just waiting on, on a verdict. And that's obviously key, probably more key in the immediate future than than any sale is because... We need to know if we're going to have more points deducted or not. And there's no point leaving it till April or you know March, like we had last season, where there was so few games left to to really change it. You know, we've still got was it 13, 14 games left, so enough time to to deal with anything that gets thrown our way. But the longer it, it drags on, the just the more uncertainty and frustration it causes. Um, the ownership stuff, obviously, yeah, you know, we need we need some kind of update, albeit you know it might not be particularly sort of um you know niche or direct but you know something from Nigel to to say that something is getting closer or or not as as whatever may be um you know we're all still following up weekly and daily on on any updates and so far there's none forthcoming so it's just business as usual um but yeah you know there's a lot that still needs to be ironed out over the next couple of weeks yeah um, once there is some rumours, I hope they do wheel out Mark Bowen to answer the questions instead of Ruben Sellers consistently because he should be the one who's fronting this up now, really, because Ruben's had so much of that. But let's move on to the game on Saturday against Portsmouth. Uh, rumours of a very big crowd there on Saturday, James. Yeah, yeah. From what I'm kind of hearing from from my opposite numbers, that you know, there's talk that it could be the biggest crowd for over a decade down at Fratton Park. Um, you know, only here for the Reading, obviously. Um, Portsmouth, club. <laughs> Portsmouth riding high. I think they're six points clear at the top of the table. So you would think the champions elect and back up to the championship for the first time in what was it 11, 12 years? I think. 
Um, so yeah, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting one. I'm not expecting a particularly nice welcome um, for Reading and its fans. They're certainly not going to be rolling out the red carpet, as they uh, like to to remind us every single day and every second on social media. Um, but you know, we've got nothing to lose. It's a free hit. Not expected to get anything, and you know, keep the score as respectable and the game as as tight as possible. And you never know in this league. Um, but we've got two much much bigger games coming up on Tuesday and next Saturday. I'm sensing not a very not a very optimistic score prediction <laughs> from you. <laughs> I really am. I can feel it when you're calling games a free hit. Keep it respectable. That that's not putting me in a good frame of mind. So I'm gonna go. I'm feeling more optimistic. I'm gonna say one all, and it's a draw that we'd take. And come on, let's just be the one to score late on. Come on, let's just have that moment. Mm. Come on, James, organize it. You've got contact in the EFL. <laughs> Come on, let's 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 get some match fixing on. I'm fully up for it. I'm sure everyone else is. But what you what's your uh, thoughts on it? Uh so I don't know. It's one of those ones. I mean, on our day, we can beat anyone. We know that. And and in this league, any result can, can kind of throw up. There's there's no Portsmouth are the, be- are the best team in the league, probably, but even again, you know, Smith scores that that one-on-one that he has at home. We beat them at home, you know, and that was when they seemed imperious and they were winning every game and they were running away with it. You know, they have proved fallible in, in recent weeks and recent months and they're struggling with their own injuries and they've got five or six out for the season, including, um, you know, our very own Tom McIntyre, who I'm sure will be watching with a half-and-half scarf um, on Saturday, in which end we're still <laughs> yet to be decided, in which end of the ground. Um no, I'm going to go 2-0 defeat. I think I'm going to score and concede one in each half. But I think it'll be a close game. I don't think they'll batter us. Um, yeah, I think it's a, it's a big occasion that the players need to kind of get out of their system early on. And it's the kind of atmosphere that you can probably get swept away with if you're falling behind too early. Um, so it's going to be crucial, really, to kind of <clears throat> score first, to quiet them down or, or even just kind of kill the game and, and try and make it as bitty and break it up as much as possible and we've got to be that horrible team that for so often we've played against that normally we don't do very well against but it's time for us to to be the shit houses. oh i'd love that <laughs> oh i would love that i would love someone to put one of those watches on which i've got i can't remember an exact name for it it tells you what your pulse is because if red and scoring t-mac had it on i'd like to see it in comparison to portsmouth <laughs> we all know um... where it at least we'll be able to spot him. He'll be the only fan that jumps up in the home crowd when Reading score. <laughs> Just yeah, the one bloke that goes, oh, and then sits back down. Right now. We don't care. We don't care. <laughs> We're still going up. Oh, dear. Yes, of course. We know you don't really. Oh, you're so rattled. Right then. Um, so talking of that, let's hope we have an optimistic post-match podcast on Sunday but we will see like you said earlier James the two home matches coming up are even bigger than that against Portfell and is it Shrewsbury yep god I did well there dig that out from the back of the brain (laughs) so coming up next we have got Matt speaking to a Portsmouth fan cheers Hello, everyone. Welcome back to part two of the Elm Park Rolls preview podcast. It is now time to do our weekly dip into the opposition. We're, of course, looking at Portsmouth ahead of our trip to Fratton Park this weekend to take a look into Portsmouth league leaders, promotion candidates. We've got Andy from PA Forecast. How are you doing, Andy? Hello, Matt. Yeah, even using the term promotion candidates there, you've slightly spiked my heart rate so thank you yes and nervous time but uh yeah thank you for having me lovely to be here 
pleasure to have you on mate and i mean you talk you talk about it being being nervous i mean reading fans can probably remember those years many many we are talking 10 plus years ago when we were last talking about promotion but it must be an exciting time being a portsmouth fan right now yes it's equal parts exciting and terrifying because i mean we have dangled that dream a few times since we came up to league one in 2017 and we've never got this far into the season before it all sort of goes to hell in a handcart. It's always been sort of 10 games before now it started falling off. So to get to, what, 32, 33 games in and to still be top of the league and on points per game, I think we're second. I think Bolton would slightly pip us if it was on PPG if we had a sudden COVID outbreak. Um, yeah, it's suddenly become very real in the last three to four weeks. And uh, yeah, I mean, as we were just saying on to you on the other pod, it's it's become a reality that scares me every hour of every day now rather than just being Saturdays and Tuesdays and just it's just so easy to pull out all the cliches every game being a cup final rada 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 but yeah I think if we're still there in five games time I my sleep habits are going to go to absolute pot I've suddenly realized how much I want it Mm -hmm. which is terrifying because that's going to make it even more painful if it does all fall apart yeah, well, let's let's have a let's have a dip back. Really, obviously, we last played you at the very back end of October. Um, a game that Reading fans might want to forget, Portsmouth fans would probably love to remember because it was in that period where Portsmouth, no matter really what was happening before Portsmouth scored, you might have gone down one goal, two goals, three goals, whatever it was, you were coming back, and obviously you went two 0 down at the Medeski, came back to win three two. Um, you were that you were at that game, weren't you, Andy? I think yes, so the I, I was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, give us just a bit of insight from from your side on 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 that game. It was a really weird one. It was obviously there was the tennis ball protests. Was it the sixteenth or seventeenth minute? That was obviously your tradition. That tradition makes it sound really pleasant. That's not the right word. You know <laughs> what I mean? That was sort of uh, it was becoming your mo at that point. And I think you could really tell with our side that. It had an effect on the game. We couldn't get any consistency going in that first half an hour or so because the game was so stop-start. And you could see it actually affecting a couple of our players. You could see Regan Poole at centre-back was genuinely getting really fed up with the game interruptions. And you could see it kind of permeated into how we played. And it was just so staccato and, yes, stop-start for that first half an hour or so. And we just could get no momentum whatsoever. And then I think getting getting that, well, the, the goal in the 33rd minute, I've just got the, the game stats up here to remind me exactly when the goals were, I think was huge. It was Andrew's kind of breakthrough goal for us. You'll be pleased to hear that he'll be injured this weekend, as will Terry Devlin. So two of our three goal scorers aren't going to be playing this weekend. But yeah, it was, it was a very odd day uh, because there's such a range of opinions in the Pompey fan base about what's going on with you guys and I'm very much on the sympathetic end of the spectrum as you can probably tell but at the other end you've got very tribal people spending their hard-earned money on fake 50 pound notes to to wave at you guys which I think is odd behavior but each to their own and it was just an odd day out to be honest with you and then obviously we score in the ninth minute of added time in that first half which probably wouldn't have we wouldn't have had that much added time if it wasn't for the tennis ball protests, which you can imagine the amount of sort of 
Schadenfreude. That gave a lot of Pompey fans who were quite quite pleased at the timing of the goal. And then, yeah, it was. we thought we'd found a, sort of an answer to Colby Bishop looking a bit isolated in that game because Terry Devlin played at 10 and sort of just played off Bishop for the entire game. And it looked like we might have found a good formula there. And we've barely gone near that since. Since then, Devlin sort of moved back into a deeper midfield role. Then he moved to right back and then he's done his shoulder. So he's out for the season. So, yeah, it was a bit of an odd one. It was a bit of a, a standout, to be honest with you. And as you say, it was your your spell of throwing away winning positions. And our spell, I mean, we did we scored in the last minute against Carlisle the week before. We'd come back from a goal down, I think it was, against Wickham. We'd equalised in the last minute against Derby. It was becoming a habit to that point where even if we went a goal down, we expected to come back, which is a dangerous thing to expect as a football fan because it's not really a long-term solution to make sure you go one goal down in every game. It doesn't tend to lead to good results in the long run. But yeah, it was a it was certainly a high point. And then after that game, we actually came crashing back down to earth a little bit. I mean, the next weekend, yeah, we lost to Chesterfield in the FA Cup, who were managed by Paul Cook, who won League Two with us. And then, yeah, we uh, conceded late against Charlton and then got got absolutely destroyed by Blackpool at Fratton Park. Took us apart, honestly. So it was a little bit of a, probably the peak, peak enjoyment for a few weeks that was when we played against you. Well, obviously following that game against Reading, you mentioned the game um, against, uh, against Chesterfield. Um, one of the big kind of moments really in that Portsmouth or in your Portsmouth season came obviously from that game. Regan Poole centre-back had been fantastic for you for, you know, that, that first 15 games of the season for, for you guys widely kind of respected as, you know, one of the best centre-backs in the division and got injured. Obviously did his, I think it was his cruciate ligament, wasn't it? I think. Yeah. ACL. Um, yeah. Which has obviously put him out for the season. You had obviously all the talk or not the top 20 and everything about how are Portsmouth going to deal with this? How are they going to bounce back? Um, how big has that loss um, been um, losing Regan Paul for you guys? Yeah, it's definitely been noticeable. I think it would be remiss of me not to pay some sort of credit to Sean Raggett for coming in as to take Regan Paul's place in the side because Raggett has to fight tooth and nail for starts when everyone is fit and is not your most glamorous of centre-back players, whereas Regan Paul, you know, picks the ball up in defence and does sort of what Matt Clark did for us before he moved off to Brighton. And then I think he's at Middlesbrough now where he just runs the ball out of centre defence. And if he spots a gap, he will just run until he's stopped. So we'll bring it over the halfway line and look to create something by himself. And Regan Poole does the same thing. And yeah, as you say, that that game against Chesterfield where Poole did his ACL and Tino Angerin, it was the same game. I think it was his hamstrings went in that game. So we were 1-0 down at half-time and two of our key players had gone off injured and we were just wondering what the point was anymore. You know, the season over, all that melodrama. So yeah, in terms of the centre-back position... We've had to adapt our style slightly because Sean Raggett is not as comfortable on the ball as Regan Poole is. He just isn't. He does his best and he's he's pleasantly surprised a lot of us. But in terms of bringing the ball forward, he scored one absolute worldie from about 40 yards in the Bristol Street Motor Trophy or whatever it was. But he's not your classic bring the ball over the halfway line and do something special. And when he does a Cruyff turn, which happens once every season, you vomit a little bit with anxiety as to what's about to happen next. But... He's done a good job and we've been quite fortunate that Connor Shaughnessy playing or Shocknessy playing next to him 
has managed to stay fit. I don't know where we'd be if we'd lost Shocknessy as well as Poole. And then, yeah, we make it to January and obviously we decide to bring in a, a centre-back who can sort of take on that Regan Poole role of picking the ball up in defence and running out of defence and making a, a good number of progressive passes. And then 59 minutes into that, Tom McIntyre got sent off and broke his ankle. So that went well. And now we're back to um, uh, we're back to Sean Raggett and Connor Shocknessy probably probably going two at the back. We've experimented with a three at the back formation as well. Um, I'd be surprised if we see that this weekend. It kind of it's had its moments of success, but I think we generally look better with a with four at the back. Well, kind of coming in coming into the weekend, obviously league leaders have really been you know the the, the standout performers. Really, you know, you lead so many of the. Um, the statistics for 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 the league, um, uh, you know, when you look at it, you know, XG wise, you know, 59, 59.9, you've got only slightly behind Peterborough, but then the next best is Derby on 46. You're seemingly so far ahead kind of in the attacking phase um, of, 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 of the games to other people. But it's probably been a surprise that you've been able to stay as the most defensively solid team. You know, I guess in the division, yeah, you got the conceded the least goals this season uh, on twenty nine. You've played the most of um, anyone up the top as well, which you knows credit to the defense on that side. Fifteen clean sheets as well. Only really had one blip through the season. That was obviously over the Christmas and New Year period. It was maybe not a happy Christmas and New Year period for for for, for Pompey fans. That with only one win in six, but since oh, it then, never is Matt. Yeah. Christmas <laughs> is never a happy period for Pompey fans. We always do it, so it's just expected. But since then. What's it? I think it's seven games, five wins, and two losses. So, what what what's it been like of of, of late? Obviously, you had a very strong transfer window. Um, really, you know, yes, you know, you brought in Tom McIntyre. Obviously, he's now out injured for the season. But some of the other signings you brought in over January have really strengthened this Portsmouth side. I mean, talk to us about that and kind of how you're looking to to to, to this final kind of third of the season. Yeah, I think we got to the end of the January window, and we were honestly pretty pleased to be honest with you. So we kind of filled the gaps where we'd been most hit by injuries, basically had two players who could play to a good standard in every position, which is a level of squad depth we've just not had for the last few seasons. We've had sort of the sort of side where it's, you've got a good starting 11 and then it drops off a a cliff when you get to the bench, which I know is something you mentioned to us about your squad depth at the moment earlier on. But this season, yeah, the, I mean, Callum Lang coming in, he's already single-handedly almost won us some points. So, our game against Oxford the other week at the Kassam, we were absolutely abysmal for the first half. It was sort of pedestrian pedestrian football, no spark whatsoever. Even Abu Kamara, who's generally been a really good player for us this season, was just totally ineffective. And then Lang came on second half, um, scored one, just changed the pace of the game completely and just won the Pompey, Pompey fans over already. And then he scored again in the Northampton game and set at least one up. He might have set two up in that game. So... He's come in and had a, a really big impact and, and was rested last weekend on the bench. So I'd imagine he might well come in to start this if we're looking at, at rotation. Uh, so, sorry, he was rested Tuesday night, not at the weekend. So, yeah, Lang has come in and done an excellent job. I mean, Tom McIntyre, for what it's worth, looked really good for the 59 minutes he was on. I know that he's. I saw some mixed reviews from Reading fans on social media in terms of him leaving the club and what whether he would do well at a top of League One side or around the top of League One side. That that huge sample size of 59 minutes looked really good. Uh, 
the tackle he was sent off for was a really good tackle and it's been rescinded. The red card was rescinded afterwards. It was a terrible decision, but obviously made very little difference when he's broken his ankle doing it. Uh, Miles Pert-Harris has come in on loan from Brentford, who might well start at 10. Uh, he got his first goal for Pompey against Cambridge midweek. And yeah, he's slowly building up an understanding with the players around him, I would say. Uh, there's been a, a, he had a bit of an iffy first half against Cambridge where he wasn't on the same wavelength as the players around him. But yeah, has, he's done all right. And then, to be honest with you, I mean, Cassini Yegi coming back from the Asian Cup is as good as a new signing because he was away for quite a few weeks with uh, with the Australian team and has come back firing as well. So it's been a pretty good January transfer window. I've missed that own Moxon as well, coming in from Carlisle, who uh, we've not really seen enough of yet to give a, a definite opinion, but he's come with rave reviews from the Carlisle fans and you will be seeing him now because of our complete lack of options in central midfield. So he will be starting, I would imagine. He was fantastic for Carlisle in League Two last year. Um, yeah, one of their standout players, like you say. Um, I think he was captain for them as well, I think, for a period. Um, it's a really good player there. Um, let's have a look. Um, you say about the midfield. Um, one person that has been fantastic for you really this this season is Marlon Pack um, in that midfield. Obviously, formerly, you might remember him, Reading fans from Bristol City or Cardiff um, in the Championship. It was really kind of a pretty decent championship midfielder I'd say um but really th- this season has been fantastic for you I'm hoping that you're not going to say that he's now injured um given given no he's not injured good <laughs> he's, he's I thought I'd miss something very, there when <laughs> he's one of the very few central midfielders we currently have who are not on crutches so uh yeah mm. unless anything happens in the week you will be seeing him don't worry yeah well um t- talk us to a bit about him and how he's really come in I mean he, he I think he came through the youth system at Portsmouth yeah, he was here years yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah, he's been pretty much ever present except when injured. He's he's not really been dropped at any point. He, he it's, it's such a cliche, but you can tell he gets the club and he leads by example on the pitch, which is what you want. He's very no-nonsense, very rarely has a two out of ten game. He's sort of your general solid, but not spectacular. You're rarely going to come away thinking, oh my word, Marlon Pack ran that game. But then when you watch back and look at the little impacts he had, you realise that he's been pretty central to everything that's happened around him just in a really non-glamorous way. So he's got a few, quite a few assists recently. I think it was two assists he got out of our four goals against Northampton. I think it was that game where he can pick the ball up in central midfield and just spread play and just stretch teams in a way that not many players in League One can. And... You can tell he's driven for us to go up. He's club captain, does, you know, talks the talk, but also walks the walk to back it up and will fight, you know, he'll fight tooth and nail for his teammates on the pitch, but does it without losing his head. So he does it in a composed way. When we've had players in the past who have, you know, the passion and all that stuff, but, you know, think of players like Lee Brown or, you know, Ronan Curtis, who are very, very aggressive, but then when they get wound up, they lose their composure a little bit. And then the performance drops off as a result. But you don't seem to get that with Marlon Pack. And uh, yeah, we're we are definitely going to be reliant on him towards the end of the season this year, I think. So, sorry, Hamster was escaping. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he's going to be central essentially in, in every sense of the word. So I'd imagine it will be him and Owen Moxon starting in, in central defensive mid in a 4-2-3-1. 
mostly because those are the only two central defensive midfielders we have left who uh, who can walk. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, we've looked at the um, excuse me. <clears throat> we've looked at the uh, kind of sitting midfielders. The the attacking kind of four though for Portsmouth has been so effective this year. You know, Ab- uh, Abu Kamara, Paddy Lane, Colby Bishop. You talked about Yangi coming back. Where's probably the the person to watch out of those? Because I mean, we could probably talk about you know Kamara, Paddy Lane, Colby Bishop till till you know midnight really about how good they've been for Portsmouth this season. I would happily um, do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but you know Kamara and Paddy Lane both very young. Colby Bishop a bit more experience. A really good mix. Mm. Who would you be watching out for out out of those? I think I'd have to say Paddy Lane at this point, even. Mm within this season, the progress he's made. He came in and he was solid, but not spectacular and got into good positions, but struggled to add the finishing touch. He was quite wasteful in front of goal at the start of the season. There were a few games he, he should have scored more than he did. Uh, but the the rate at which he's blossomed in this side is, is genuinely a pleasure to watch him at times. And he's one of the players that I think if we don't go up, bottom part of the championship teams would be looking at him over summer and would be quite right to take a punt on him. So, yeah, his his speed breaking through the middle. He he will technically play on the wing, depending on whether Kamara starts or Lang starts. He sometimes plays on the right, sometimes on the left, and him and Kamara sometimes switch mid-game as well. But um, his most dangerous breaks tend to be when he breaks forward through the middle when we're, you know, when we're trying to launch a quick counter-attack. His first touch is fantastic. Onto sort of pacey through balls, when he's trying to beat a man with his first touch, that's come on leaps and bounds and his finishing. There's been a couple of goals that he scored this year. I'm still not entirely sure how they've gone in um, or the technique he's used. So I'd say he's probably the one to watch. Um, He doesn't, well, he's due a bad game because he hasn't had one for so long, but um, I don't know if that's really how form works in, in league one football. Um, I'm hoping he's not due a bad game. Whereas other players that you mentioned there, they they have done very good things for us, for us this season, but there have been games where they've disappeared a little bit more. So, I mean, Abu Kamara, the first half against Oxford, I, I genuinely think he touched the ball less than five times in the first half. And I I say that literally, not, not with any hyperbole. Having said that, second half, we changed system and he, he managed to get an assist, but he can disappear a little bit if you've got... I mean, I can't remember who the, the left-back is for for Oxford United, who just did a job on him and kept him out of the game. So if, if you've got a quite a physical left-back, he struggles because he's quite a nifty player. He's very one-footed. He's very good with his left foot, but he is very dependent on it. So if you put two men on him and stop him cutting back inside, he loses a lot of effectiveness, but then that does create a space elsewhere, obviously. Bishop has had... It's a bit of an odd season because he's our top goal scorer, and yet some portions of the fan base have felt the need to... You know, go down there. He's a penalty merchant route, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, he's missed two penalties out of his last three, both in front of the away end at Fratton Park, both just before half time. So if we do get a penalty down that end, there might be some sort of uh, reliving sort of Vietnam flashback stuff going on in his mind before he takes it. I don't know. So keep an eye out for flying balls, Reading FC fans. He might have one coming towards your face. <laughs> no, no, no. He is the target. He just always goes keepers left. So. Oh, okay. Right, well, David Button, there you go. Keepers left if he gets the penalty then. <laughs> That's what he does at Fratton anyway. When he does, when he takes penalties away, 
he sometimes goes to the keeper's right and scores. But yeah, the last two he's missed at Fratton Park have both been comfortable height keepers left. And uh, yeah, sort of copycat postage stamps of each other. So there's been, a little, there's been a little bit of pressure on him, but it tends to be from people who haven't watched the full games and don't see what he contributes. Because there's been a lot of our goals recently where he's been involved in holding the ball up, facing away from goal in the in the first phase of a goal. But by the time like a highlights reel starts... It starts from later in the phase of play than the bit he contributed to. So it's not been as glamorous. And the system we play with a 4-2-3-1, usually he's picking up the ball, having to be physical, facing away from goal, and then creating an opportunity for Kamara or Lane or Lang or uh, Pert Harris to run at the defence. There's been occasions where he's just needed one to go in off his backside, to be honest with you. Uh, He's missed a few good chances that he really should have scored. But... It, the, the level of grief he's got has been slightly disproportionate. He scored a few weeks, well, a couple of months ago now and cupped his ears to the fan base because of the the stick he's been getting from a, a very vocal minority on social media. And he said he knows it's only 5% of the fan base, but that's still quite a lot of people when you open Twitter and uh, and see that vitriol aimed at him. So I know you said to focus on one, but I've just given you three there and we're not quite at midnight, so... I will. I'll shut up and, and find out what you want to know next. Not, not a problem. Well, Reading fans, keep an eye out for all of, um, all of them. To be honest, you know they're, they're I'm, I'm personally looking forward to seeing Paddy Lane because I've not seen him this season. I'm mm. rave about him. I'm not top twenty, um. So it'll be interesting to kind of see, see how he, uh, how he contributes. Um, this will actually be Reading's first trip to Fratton Park since 2015, when we met you in the cup. I think you're in League Two at that point. Yeah. Um, Won that game, obviously two one. Last time we met you in the league was back in the championship twenty twelve, um, when when Reading went up, and obviously I think Portsmouth got relegated that season, or it was the season after. What is Fratton Park like? Has it changed much since we last came came to you? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. There has been work done on the away end, so it won't be the same as last time you came down. There have been quite a lot of improvements in terms of the the physical structure of the away end. Um, just thinking back. Yeah, you you've been there since they put the roof on it, which is a treat. Uh, yeah, I just remember I just remember the seven four from when there was no roof because I always see clips of that and it's just with no roof there and it's just yeah that's been on flashbacks. <laughs> it's like the Gillingham away end. It's just it's it was grim. It was a bad time yeah. for everyone involved. But yeah, the Milton end they've done quite a lot of work on, so it should be a nicer experience. Honestly, I think we get quite a bad rap as a fan base in terms of the area and in terms of it being, you know, not very nice away day to do. I genuinely, I don't know the last time we had any problem problems with away fans, other than obviously when Southampton come down for the occasional cup game and there's about 15,000 policemen and, you know, that one Pompey fan punched a horse, which is never a great look for the club. And then the other time we're on TV where a Pompey fan tried to punch Luke O'Neill, which again, not a great look for the club. But on the most part, we're actually quite nice, uh, to be honest with you. So, yeah, in terms of like drinking before the game and stuff, you're not going to find any pubs really where you have problems. You'll be welcome wherever. Um, the rifle is obviously going to be very Pompey focused. That's on uh, that's on Goldsmith Avenue. So between Fratton Station and Fratton Park, it's on the road directly down. Or if you follow that road further, you've got Shepherd's Crook, which again will be overwhelmingly Pompey, but not in an unpleasant way to away fans. Where we go that's more of an even split is uh, the Staggeringly Good Brewery, which is the Milton end side of the ground. 
and is a is a more even split between home and away fans. It's a different vibe. It's less hectic. You're packed in less like fish in a tin. Um, it's an independent dinosaur themed brewery that do a load of nice sort of made lagers, etc. That are made on site. So that's probably my rec- recommendation for the most enjoyable pre match drink. But um, yeah, we're. I think the last time we had an issue, I think maybe Newport County. Someone might have tried to stab someone in like 2014, but discounting the, the Southampton game, it's it's not a problem really. I think we'll we'll ignore really. the punching of the horses, the potential stabbings. It's 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 okay. Other than that, <laughs> it's a wonderful place, honestly. Yeah. And uh, park your wing mirrors in if you drive down. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I mean, just park at least two kilometers from the ground, and you'll be fine. You'll be wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, it's genuinely quite a welcoming place. Uh, you'll get stick from the Pompey fans who were sort of next to the Milton end on each side in the North and South stand. Cause that's why people get their season tickets there. Cause they like being there to give it to the away fans, but that's the same at any ground, isn't it really? And yeah, you'll get a minority of people. I don't think there's anyone really planning on doing the 50 pound note thing or the fake 50 pound note thing. There'll probably be a few, but it's, well, hopefully, yeah. hopefully there'll be, uh, be no trouble and uh, it'll be a good game. Um, Andy score prediction. What are you going to go for, for the game? I think it's going to be a harder game than a lot of fans would think purely looking at the League One table. I think you're doing well in the form guide. I mean, your result, you've got some very good results in the last 10 games or so. I do have to back a Pompey win purely because I've got no reason not to, having watched the club. I mean, you, you have to back them. If I don't predict Pompey wins now, then I, I never would do on a pod. So... You don't seem to have many games that finish by more than one clear goal between the teams. So I'll go with a 2-1 Pompey win. Hopefully a 2-0 where you score in the 99th minute and there's no sweat on our side of things and no no squeaky bum time. But yeah, I'll go with a 2-1 Pompey win purely because I, I feel like I should based on where we are in the league. And if I predict a Reading win, then I'm never ever going to look like I'm I'm happy, am I? I think you might be lynched the next time you go into Fratton Park. I think if you're at top of the table and don't predict a win, to be honest. <laughs> and you know, um, being quite poshly spoken, I genuinely fear for getting lynched most times I go in Fratton Park anyway. So this might be the the straw that breaks the camel's back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll avoid that. We'll avoid that um, for, 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 for this time anyway. Um, yeah. I think for me, it's going to be, it's going to be hard for, 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 for Reading, you know, Portsmouth right up there in the table, as we've kind of, you know, discussed today, tons of quality. Um, if we can get a draw, I'll snap your hand off. But I think, you know, if, if Sam Smith isn't playing, obviously he didn't play in the week. I, I could see probably a two nil, two nil loss. Um, I'm going to go for at the end of the day, score predictions don't mean anything because we're no. idiots at the end of the day who just yes. spout opinions. Um, so, um, idiots. Yeah. our podcast is three idiots, like that's <laughs> all we are. We're just idiots who enjoy the same football club and we're idiotic in different ways. I'm sure your pod's very similar completely it's like we're identical um andy <laughs> thank you so much for coming on obviously and best of luck for the season um i hope we see you guys get promoted because it'd be great to see portsmouth back in the championship and everything but best of luck for the for the rest of the season thank you very much for coming on and um yeah we'll uh, i'm sure we'll catch up soon yeah thank you matt genuinely hoping you guys stay up i'm pretty sure you will i know you can't say that yet because it's your own club but I'd be very surprised. There are far worse teams than you in the league that we've played against this season. So, yeah, other than this weekend, when obviously I hope you get absolutely destroyed, um, <laughs> I I hope you win the three games afterwards and and seal that seal that survival and still have a club when August rolls around. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Um, well, again, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Obviously, if you have enjoyed the podcast, 
please be sure to give us a five-star rating obviously on your podcast of choice apple spotify it really does help us with rankings and everything help new listeners find us um we will be back um following the portsmouth game obviously doing our usual post-match uh post-match podcast so be sure to tune into that and like all of our socials to keep up to date with the latest reading fc and epr content until the next time i've been matt lansley and this has been the Elm Park rules preview podcast we'll catch you on the next one <laughs>